This is Sydney. And I'm Cher. And each week we get together to share with you a message of hope. It is through our own study and our personal experiences that we offer the reminder to not only seek the light, but be the light. You can find peace and there is hope. And as long as one of us is slightly caffeinated, there will be laughter. This week's topic is the one. And we're so glad you're here. I'm forging my way through the tip, tip, top. I'm living my life through the drip, drip, drop. In today's world, there's so much value placed on how many followers you have, how many likes a post gets. And that's what's been on my mind lately. The numbers, the number game. So this makes me wonder, Sydney, is it more important to have a lot of numbers and likes and followers, or is it more important that you made a difference in one person's life? I think ideally you'd have both. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I've dabbled in the Instagram world and in the beginning, I've really, truly cared. I started with the intention of the one because At one point during postpartum depression for myself, I was the one for somebody. Someone posted about postpartum depression. I had never considered that's what I was going through. Because she opened up about it and I read it, my life began to change. I started seeking help and I was the one. I got to be the one on the other side. So when I was getting help and I was becoming more clear in my mind, I said I was going to be the one. I was going to share for the one. Talk about it. Be open about it. Not for hundreds of people, but maybe just one other mom, one other dad out there who doesn't know what's going on with his wife or a woman who doesn't know what's going on with her feelings. I was going to seek the one. And then it changes. You start getting likes. You start getting comments. And you, instead of focusing on what is coming from your heart, you start wondering, why did I get 500 likes on this, but I got 700 on this? And you stop thinking about the one and you start thinking about how do I get more likes? What do I need to do? And the authentic nature of it disappears and it is a trap, it's a dirty trap. Yeah, I totally get that, but a little bit differently because when I went into teaching, that was my whole thing. Every time you had to write an essay about why I wanted to be a teacher, it was always, I just want to make a difference in one person's life. If I can just help one person, it will make my entire teaching career worth it. But then as you get into it, it becomes more about just the job. It, you get tired, it's overwhelming, grading papers, planning lessons. And then you for, sometimes you forget about the one student in your class that really needs your help that day. And you forget why you went into that profession or job or why you got onto Instagram or Twitter in the first place. Right, exactly. Because you get so... You have so much to do at that point. There's so many busy work things Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to stay above water. When we had one kid, Mm -hmm. that was easy to give him all the attention. And now that there's three, how do I get one hour of sleep? That's the one. (laughs) I want one hour of sleep. I want one shower. (laughs) I want one pair of leggings that don't have a hole Uh in them. Yes, That has nothing to do with my children. I'm just rough on clothes. (laughs) And I just wanted one kid, which meant all kids, to get away from me for two minutes. Right. Back up. Our intentions have changed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Luckily, you can change again. Right. What can I do to plan a lesson that you all will stay away from me for an entire hour? That you'll get and not ask any questions. Yes. I was good at that. I was like snoring through class. (laughs) I just needed naps. You were the one that, right. You were the one that's like, oh, just let her sleep. No one, no one wake her up. (laughs) 
I was so pleasant. <laughs> I got A's for days. Asleep. So, uh, Sydney, does focusing on the one even matter? It does. Focusing on the one is all that matters, actually. Yeah. My second year of teaching, but it was my first year at teaching at a school that was a little rough. A lot of gang members, things like that. And I had this student, I'm going to call him... Joe. Joe. So Joe, he was completely involved in a gang. And he was absolutely a terror in class. He was always distracting. He was rude. If you could get through the class without Joe swearing at you, you were doing a really good job that day because he was very mouthy, very loud, and wasn't afraid to tell you every fault that you had and everyone else in the class as well. Plus, it didn't help everyone was afraid of him because he was very involved in a gang and everyone knew it, so you didn't want to cross him. Finally, I went to Joe one day and I just said, look, I need to teach my class. I understand you don't want to be here, but I just need you to sit down and just let me teach my class and I will leave you alone. I won't make you do anything ever. If you will just sit down in this back of the room right here and I promise I will leave you alone. And he agreed to that. It made it so that I could actually teach the class and get through a lesson without him being rude and distracting. Well, this one day, it was probably, I don't know, maybe four months into the school year. And I had a girl in my class that was very obvious, started to get extremely sick. I walked over to her and she was just sweating. She just had sweat coming down the side of her face. And I needed to get her out of the room and get some help. I was upstairs and I needed to go down the stairs because right below me was the counseling center. So I said, let's go downstairs. And I was going to walk her down there to make sure she got there because I was very worried about her. As we started to walk down the stairs, she fainted on the stairs. Oh my gosh. I caught her, but it was awkward and she is completely dead weight and I couldn't move. I wasn't strong enough to completely move her. I just had her and that was it. And I went to say a student's name, any name at all that I could think of. And the only name that I could remember was Joe's. That's the only one. And I remember thinking I need a different name, (laughs) but I couldn't think of one. And so I yelled, Joe, and out of my classroom, this is what I heard. I'm not doing anything wrong. That's what I heard. (laughs) And I said, Joe, get out here right now. And so he came out, he was very slow, and he looked over the edge of the stairs and he saw me and I looked up at him and I said, Joe, please help me. And all of a sudden he was running and he ran down the stairs. He picked the girl up and put her, walked her down the stairs, laid her down on the floor. And I said, I'm going to stay here with her. You go get help. And he just took off running. So he went and got help. And long story short, we did get the girl help. She was okay. At the end of class, everyone's leaving except for Joe. And he stayed. And then he walked up to me and he said to me, is she going to be okay? And I said, yes. And thank you for your help. You did a really good job today. And then he went to turn around and I stopped him. And I said, Joe, do you feel that feeling you have right now? And he said, yes. And I said, you can feel this way all the time. You don't have to be angry. And he shook his head. Yes. And then he walked out. Beautiful. And from that moment on, Joe started working in my class because Joe and I had an understanding and he started doing better. And when he moved on to high school, he would come back and visit me. And all these years, I thought that one person 
I wanted it to be a great ending and I wanted it to be a great story. And it didn't turn out the way I thought, but it taught me a lesson about focusing on that one kid. He did have a lot of hard lessons to, to learn, but right now he's doing okay. But I'm really proud of him. That's awesome. And that's not when I went into teaching. I thought I was going to be able to just change kids' lives left and right. And I didn't change it or it, he didn't change the way I thought, but it changed me. That whole experience changed me. And looking at my students, no matter what, whether they're in a gang or whether they come from whatever situation they come in, I made it so that I look at them as an individual rather than just putting them in a category. I love that so much. It made me think that Kobe Bryant said in a podcast interview that he did that the goal is not to inspire everybody. It's to inspire somebody. And if you inspire somebody, maybe they will inspire somebody and maybe they will inspire somebody else. And it is a process. You inspired Joe, but he inspired you. And hopefully he'll inspire somebody else who's in his family, who's growing up the same way, who saw that he did get out, that he's okay. There's no way that you're going to inspire every single person or make every single person feel how you'd want them to feel, but you can make one person feel that way. Yeah. And I like that, the chain reaction. Yes. Because you don't know how it's going to turn out. That is really good. Right. It's that story of a little girl walking the beach and she sees the starfish Mm -hmm. out and she's throwing them back in because if you don't, they will die. And an old man comes up and he's like, what are you doing? And she says, I'm throwing the starfish back in because if they're out of water too long, they will die. And he said, honey, do you see how many there are? You're not going to make a difference. And she picks up another starfish. She throws it in and she said, I'll make a difference to that one. Yeah. I love that story. That reminds me of the Garth Brooks song, The Change. I listened to that song at the start of every school year. Yeah. Go ahead and read it, Sydney. Okay. One hand reaches out and pulls a lost soul from harm while a thousand more go unspoken for. And they say, what good have you done by saving just this one? It's like whispering a prayer in a fury of a storm. And I hear them saying, you'll never change things. And no matter what you do, it's still the same thing. But it's not the world that I am changing. I do this so the world will know that it will not change me. I love that. Oh, I get goosebumps every right? time I've listened and read it. Doesn't that remind you of times. Joe? Tell me that doesn't remind does. you of my student. It reminds me of Joe. Right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. I love that because I, every year when I start school, that's what I think of is that I'm going to be true to myself. I'm not going to get bitter and grumpy, even though sometimes I do. But I'm going to try to stay focused on the one and try to make a difference. I think that we have to understand the beginning place here is to understand the worth of each individual soul. Yes. And I always think of a very well-known C.S. Lewis quote. Do you already know which one I'm going to say? No, because my brain is smushy today. Okay. <laughs> As if it's not other days, but whatever. <laughs> okay, C.S. Lewis said, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations— These are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is the immortals who we joke with, work with, marry, snub, 
and exploit. I like it. We have to have an eternal perspective for each person we interact with. You're never just talking to a cashier or a waitress or somebody fixing your tire. You are talking to people who have great worth, eternal worth, not ordinary people. And we need to try to figure out how to see the people that we're interacting with as God sees them, not as I'm angry about this and so I'm going to take it out on them for this or that, but an eternal perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things that I always uh, kept up just so that I could see it as a teacher, but I think it fits into exactly what you're talking about. This is a poem by Edwin Markham. It's just really short. It says, he drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had a wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. I love it. If we are looking at everyone as, okay, so Joe, you're angry, you're mad, your life has been unfair, but I'm going to make a bigger circle and I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to see you for the potential that God sees in you. Then that changes everything. I love that. Ultimately, the one is always going to matter more than the masses because it's one at a time. Yes. Every great philosopher has mentioned this in a different quote or in a different way that you start with those closest to you. And then hopefully, like Kobe Bryant said, it becomes the domino effect. It's the most ideal situation. I think, though, sometimes you have to realize that you might be the one, your own personal self might be the one who needs kindness. I was thinking this because my daughter, someone asked if they could play. And I said, let's plan a play date with this little girl. And she didn't, she's like, oh, I just, it's just that she's really mean to me. And so I know that happens though. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's mean. I don't really want to. And then that story aside, what I thought is you don't want to be around people who are mean to you. Right. Right. It's as simple as grade school that you don't want to be around mean people. You want to be around nice people. So my question is, are you being mean to yourself or are you being nice to yourself? Are you being someone that you want to be around because you are, you have value, you have worth. There's so much there, but are you seeing it? And you're not going to see if you're being mean to yourself because there's an inner separation happening if you're being unkind to yourself. Absolutely. We need to remember to be nice to ourselves and give ourselves some grace. So Sydney, have you ever been the one where someone went out of their way to help you or to notice you? I feel like I've been the one so many times. <laughs> I just need all the help I can get. So yes. we're like always the one. Yeah. <laughs> always the one that needs to be pushed out of the snow. Always the one that needs help with their tap to pay. <laughs> right. <laughs> My 10 year old's always like, that's not how you do it. Like this. <laughs> and he's usually right. So when I was in, I feel like it was fourth grade. I sat down at recess and I sat down in gum <laughs> and I just sat there cause I did not know what to do. Yeah. And it's horrifying as a horrifying child. in fourth grade. So I sat down though in jeans sat there and I wondered what am I going to do? I have no idea. I really wanted to be homecoming queen in the coming years. And so <laughs> it was really critical that I made the right decision. I just sat there sulking. I was like, oh my gosh. So I sat there and sat there while everybody played. And a boy walked over and he sat down next to me and his name was Roy. Roy just sat there and he didn't say a thing. And finally he said, why aren't you playing? And I said, well, 
I sat in gum and it's on my butt <laughs> and I can't get it off because <laughs> this is Arizona. So it's mm-hmm. not just gum, but it is slime. It's, yeah. It's, it's a mess. Slime on it's your butt. It's melted. He said, okay, well, take my jacket, tie it around your waist, which was super fashionable as it was back then. And he said, tie it around your waist. You'll be okay. What a good kid. Amazing. A fourth grader. Oh, I, I love know. that. Bless Roy. Yeah. Um, I love Roy wherever you are. Good job, Roy. So it was that time I was the one for somebody. I thought that was a very big moment for me to have someone else notice that I was just sitting there notice that I wasn't playing. I was noticed, mm-hmm. sat down and he helped solve the problem. And so his legacy lives on in my heart of the kind of human that he was in fourth grade. I know. And that I is was amazing. able to get up and go about the business. And he let me use his jacket all day. And slime his jacket all up. Slime his jacket up. Mm-hmm. I bet his mom was <laughs> Never thrilled. thought about that till right yeah. now as a mother. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, you know, that's Sydney. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm better. I bet his mom was very proud of him. Yes. That's the first memory that comes to mind of. No, I have so many times I truly feel like someone has been aware of me and I think we're given those opportunities. God forces us to be the one in need yeah. to know what it feels like so that then you can be the one for somebody else. Yeah, I totally agree. Have you ever just had those moments where you're just feeling sorry for yourself for whatever reason, and then suddenly somebody happens to call you? Like an old friend or somebody, you just needed to hear that person's voice and they happen to just have the exact message that you needed to hear at that moment. I think that is why it's critical to listen to those inner voices or however you want to say it, an inner voice, a prompting from heaven that says, reach out and say hello to this person. Do this for somebody because we are asked to be the one for somebody and you don't know what the reason is. Just like Roy didn't know why he was going to come sit by me, but he did it. He saw me and then he took action. He didn't know what I was going to say, but he did it. He was brave enough for a minute to help me. Yeah. And I needed help. Mm-hmm. My fourth grade little girl self <laughs> needed help. Yeah. And he was there for me. And now we are going to have opportunities to be the one who needs help, but also be the one that does help. The yeah. one that takes notice of somebody else. Maybe it's a friend, like you're saying, someone that comes to mind that you haven't texted from mm-hmm. time. And it's okay to be awkward and send a text. They might absolutely need it. Yeah. I agree. I actually just had this thought come to mind when I I uh, was having a very rough week. It was actually the week my father passed away. I needed to run to the store to get something for the family. And I just, I ran to Walmart to pick it up. And I had this thought, I was so upset with everything that was going on. And I had this thought that I just needed to do something to help somebody else. And that would make me feel better. But, you know, you're just kind of in a fog. And I was like, really, who am I going to help? I cannot help anybody right now. I got in line at Walmart and it was at Christmas time and the people in front of me, they didn't have anything amazing. They didn't go over the top. I mean, they just had simple groceries like milk, bread, and those types of things. And then they had a blanket. It was obvious they were going to give it to somebody as a Christmas present. And when the total came up, the couple was like, oh, okay, we're going to have to take the blanket off and we're going to have to, and they started pulling food off. And it just clicked. This is what I was talking about. And so I said, can I just please pay for this for you? And they were like, no. And I said, please let me pay for this. And they're like, okay, how about you just pay for the food? And I said, put the blanket back, (laughs) 
please let me pay for this. It would make me feel better. And they're like, no, really, it's okay. And I looked at them and I said, I've had a really bad week and nothing would make me feel better right now than to know that at least something good came out of this week. And I mean, I was teary eyed and I was very adamant and the lady hugged me and she said, just because you have a bad week, that doesn't mean you have to pay for our groceries. And I said, but it matters to me. And I think about this moment often because it felt heavy and I just needed something that I could control and I could control being nice to somebody at that moment. So oftentimes I think those opportunities come when we're at our lowest. Love that because it just proves that if you're willing to be the one for someone else Mm -hmm. and give someone else, there are so many people in need and not just they need food or a blanket, but there's people in need of a conversation. Yes. Uh, Mother Teresa, she said, The greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical disease with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. And that's going to come in different ways. Sometimes it really is that we need to do a service for somebody else Mm -hmm. and we need to allow people to serve us. That's what I'm getting from that story that Mm -hmm. you needed Yeah. You needed that opportunity more than they probably needed the food and the blanket. I definitely needed it more than they did at that moment. That's the cool thing with how God works is the way he weaves together people's encounterings that people get what they need if you allow it and if you're open to it. We just have to be brave enough and willing enough. And those opportunities are going to come in every which direction. I believe that. I really do believe that. The one matters. The one always matters, whether it's yourself or whether it's someone that needs to be pulled into your circle. This week, we should spend time focusing on the one, trying to see the individual worth and understand and remember whoever you're talking to, whether you've had a very bad week or a very good week or somebody is bothering you, to make it a goal to try to see them as the eternal soul that they are. Absolutely, Sydney. And also something else, thank the person that helped you along the way. Just showing that gratitude. So I think the action this week would be to thank someone who has been the one for you or be the one for somebody this week. One person. Do something out of your way for one person this week. Love it. All right. Y'all have a good week. Bye. I'm forging my way through the tip, tip, top. I'm living.